Again, thank you for being here this morning. Visitors especially, grateful that you've taken some time out of your weekend to be with us. Fill out that connection card, turn it into the I'm New station there, and we've got a gift that will change your life forever. It's the greatest black coffee mug you've ever seen. Anyway, anyway uh, chances are it won't change your life, but hopefully it will at least uh, give you some information about this church. Uh, as I said, tomorrow being Memorial Day, it's a special day, right? We get a little bit of a, a break. School's out for summer. Uh, we get an extra day off of work, which is nice, kind of hanging out with family and friends, enjoying the beautiful weather. Um, but also a day where we remember those who have fought and died uh, in different battles, in different wars that have been in this country, around this country, or even just involving this country. But as I was thinking about it, even if you've never been to places like Iraq or Iran, uh, places like Afghanistan, even Vietnam, even if you've never been through basic training or had to go through boot camp, even if you don't know the first thing about guns or weaponry or military tactics, even if you've never been in a battle like that, I can guarantee you that you are pretty battle tested. I can guarantee that you actually know what it feels like to go through a battle, don't you? So you don't have to be active duty to know what it's like to be in a battle, you just have to be alive. <laughs> Because part of the human condition is experiencing different battles, isn't it? Different difficulties, if you will. I mean, just ask anyone who's trying to overcome an addiction of some sort, alcohol or drugs. I mean, that struggle to break free from those things, that's a battle. Ask someone who's trying to salvage their marriage after years of apathy or maybe even after an affair. Trying to put the pieces back together and, and bring passion back into that relationship. I mean, that is a battle, is it not? Ask any new mom who feels totally overwhelmed, totally exhausted, trying to get a screaming baby to stop screaming at 3 a.m., that's a battle. There are lots of battles in this life. I mean, just ask anybody who's fighting to climb out of debt. Ask anybody who's trying to stay away from porn. Ask anybody who's not trying to, or trying not to settle or to sleep around. Ask someone who's trying to overcome the abuse or neglect they experienced in life. Ask someone who has a negative self-image or suicidal thoughts. Ask anyone, period, and they can tell you they've been through a battle. Or two, or ten, right? Part of life is going through different battles. Each and every one of us has to engage in and has to experience a different battle. See, some are battling our past some are battling our health, some are battling our loneliness, some are battling our professors, some are battling our employers. Right now, I'm battling somebody named Copper. He is a nine-week-old golden doodle who is now living in my house. And uh, I battle him every night as he howls, crying, and I'm battling. Battling, battling, battling. That's all I can say when it comes to little Copper. But all of us are battling something, are we not? And Paul says we're all battling sin. That's what he was talking about in Romans chapter 7. See, he says that there were these, these good things in life that he was thinking about and that he wanted to do in life, but he never seemed to get around to doing those things. And the bad things in life that he didn't want to do and that he tried to stay away from, he always ended up doing those things. He calls this the battle. And it's a battle that all of us know pretty well, don't we? It's a battle that rages in and around all of us. So you're right, our battles don't involve terrorists or tyrants. They don't involve enemies of the state. But our battles are just as real. Our battles are just as intense. Our battles are just as important as any of those fought by our servicemen and women. And the scripture speaks to all of this stuff. It gives language to all of this. It talks about the battle and the war that we're involved in. Look at some of these verses with me. 2 Timothy 2. Join with me in suffering, Paul says, like a good soldier of Christ. 
It's an interesting word to use, an interesting word to, to describe our situation. It's like we're soldiers in a battle. Ephesians 6, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, that you will stand, armor, fighting, taking, taking hold of, of your place and, and taking hold of your position. That's battle language. Joshua 10, 25, one of my favorite verses around. Do not be afraid, Joshua said to them. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies that you are going to fight. Now, there will be enemies in this life, and you're going to have to fight them. But take heart, take hold. God will be with you. And then 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold. Grab a hold of the eternal life to which you were called. See, the Bible makes it clear that when it comes to certain things in this life, things that matter, you have to fight for them. You have to stand your ground. And you have to take hold of those things. From a good marriage to, to good finances, from freedom from sin to just, just freedom in general. I mean, freedom, sin, marriage, money, all those things, you got to fight for them. It's not just going to happen. You're just going to wake up one day and everything's just going to fall into place and going to work out to your favor. It's a battle, is it not? To experience the best of those things. So we've got to fight. You're called to fight. You've got to wage war against anything that might attack your life. You've got to wage war against those things that are wanting to rob you of your life and rip away your life. Now normally I don't use this battle language. I don't really gravitate towards the, the militant kind of language that's in the scripture. And that's because people have abused this before, haven't they? They've used this to like justify holy wars and crusades and genocides. Like Christians go out there and we chop the heads off of sinners and evil people. Like, no, that's not, that's not what it's saying at all. We're talking about the battles that you face individually. You with me? We're not talking about politics here. We're talking about you personally. You have to fight a battle. Some of you have to fight that battle every single day. So we have to fight numerous battles every single day. So the question is, how? How do we fight those battles? How do we stand firm? How do we take hold of? How do we put on this armor of God? What does that look like? Well, in Exodus 17, there's a great story that I think gives us some hints and gives us some answers into what it looks like to fight these battles, but more than that, to experience victory in these battles. In Exodus 17, uh, the people of God are fighting a great battle themselves. And again, the way in which they fight this battle, I think, teaches us how we should fight our own. So in Exodus 17, a little context here, the people of God are moving from Egypt. They're moving from a place of captivity and bondage and slavery. It's a place that we all know, right? And maybe not literally, but, but very symbolically, that, that life that is that's just not the abundant life. It's not the life that God intended for us to live. They're moving from that place into a place of prosperity, into a place of promise, into the promised land. But to make that move, to make that shift from the, the only way of life they've ever known to a better way of life, to a God-infused, God-centered way of life, to make that move, they're going to have to fight some battles along the way. And the same is true for us. To get to where God needs us to go, we're going to have to fight some battles along the way. Now, some of the things they had to fight against. Well, the first was dehydration and starvation. They're walking through a desert wasteland, so they're fighting against dehydration and starvation. They're fighting against a bitter, negative, pessimistic spirit. 
Now, none of us know what that looks like or, 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 or means, but a negative spirit, right, is one where they look at their situation, and not, and they're not real happy with it, and they look at their leaders, and it doesn't look like they know what they're doing. So they have to fight against that spirit, and oh, by the way, they also have to fight against the Amalekites. It's a group of people that's going to try to stop them from getting to where they need to be. A group of people that's ready to take their gold and their lives, if need be. So you with me? The Israelites, God's people are trying to move from one place, from the darkness, if you will, into the light. But to get there, they're going to have to fight. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus 17. The Amalekites came, and they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steadily until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is a great story about a great battle. Who's read this story before? So a few of us, but for some of us, this is brand new. This is a kind of rather odd, interesting, somewhat like comical story, if you will, on how to fight a battle. But this is the first great battle that God's people fought in this moment, in this transition from one life to another. And I think it's the first one because it's the most important one because it teaches them how they're going to fight every battle that's yet to come. There's three elements that are part of this battle that I think are a part of every battle we face, and we have to understand what they are to experience victory. There's a spiritual element to our battles. There's a, a very practical element to all of our battles, and there's a communal element to all of our battles. When you understand these three things and fight on those three levels, you will experience great victory. Let me show you what I mean. The spiritual element. One of the core beliefs, one of the core understandings of Christianity is that what we see in this world is not all there is to this world. The things that we can touch or that we can taste or that are tangible to us, that's not all that there is in existence. There is a spiritual realm, an invisible element, if you will, an unseen dimension to what's happening in our lives and in our reality. Now what you're thinking, like, oh, great, pastor's gone a little cuckoo here, this unseen spiritual realm, woo-woo. Colossians 1, for in Jesus all things were created. Right, we believe that, like, amen, yeah, all things were created in Jesus. Things in heaven and on earth, again, yes, and yes, amen to that. Things visible and what? Invisible. Why would the scripture make it clear that Jesus is Lord over all invisible things if there were no such thing as invisible things? You with me? He is the Lord over what you can see, but he's also Lord over all the things you cannot see. And there are a lot of those things, by the way. Paul says it later in this way, Ephesians 6. Our struggle, right, these battles that we face, it's not actually against flesh and blood. It's not against the stuff that you can touch, or that you can taste, that you can feel. It's not against the physical. It's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil that exist in the heavenly realms. See, guys, there are forces out there that are just as real as this, as this plastic podium, but they're invisible. 
They're unseen, but they play a role in your life and are trying to wreak havoc in your life in ways you probably never even thought imaginable. And that's why throughout the scripture, the Bible is constantly filled with these prayers, like open the eyes of my people, right? Open the hearts and the minds of my people to see these unseen things, to tap into this invisible world. Let me give you an example. Daniel chapter 10. We studied the first six chapters of this book earlier in the year, but in Daniel 10, he's fighting a battle. It's a battle against a real physical enemy, but also a battle inside of him. So he's been praying for three weeks straight and nothing's happened. And he's grown a little frustrated, to be honest with you. He's, he's waging war in this battle, if you will, but he's not experiencing any advances or any, any uh, victory in any way. But on the 21st day, this angel shows up. And in all honesty, the angel kind of appears like this, like, Daniel, just give me a second. The angel's like out of breath. The angel's like, dude, ever since you started praying 21 days ago, all hell broke loose. I mean, literally, demonic evil forces started to attack you and started to attack us in the spiritual realm. It's like, dude, you, thank you for, for praying so fervently for 21 days. You have no idea what's been happening in that unseen realm. What would Daniel have thought in that moment? Like, Really? All of that was happening? I thought I was just on my knees saying a couple of prayers. But you see, what was true for Daniel is also true for us. There is so much more going on in every situation than meets the eye. In fact, you'll never be able to see it with your eye. It's unseen, it's invisible. So when it comes to the battles that we face, guys, I don't care if it's addiction, I don't care if it's anger, I don't care if it's apathy, I don't care if it's your arrogance, you have to keep in mind the spiritual element to what you are facing. That temptation, that struggle, that situation, that person you're fighting against, that's not the only thing you're fighting against. There's a lot more going on. There is a deep, in fact, a dark spiritual element to your battle, to your struggle. So that fight against alcohol, if only it were just a fight against alcohol. It's not. It's a fight against evil the manifestation of a spiritual evil. That fight against depression, if only that were a fight against your feelings, it's not. It's evil wanting you to believe that you have to stay in the pits forever. That fight against loneliness, if only, only it were a matter of you being around more people. No, it's not that easy. It's a fight against evil, evil spiritual forces that want you to feel like you will always be alone. Are you with me? It's not just the physical thing. There is a deep, spiritual element to every single battle you and I face. And we have to come to terms with that. Now we see this depicted in, in Exodus 17. Now Moses learns ahead of time, or he quickly realizes that there's a lot more going on with this fight with the Amalekites than just this fight with the Amalekites. And so he says he goes up on the hill and he decides to fight fire with fire. He realizes there's a spiritual element to this battle, so he's gonna fight it on a spiritual level. That's more or less why he has his hands raised throughout the entire thing. Now, I'm sure this looked rather odd and probably felt rather odd, especially for the guys on the battlefield, right? Imagine looking up at your commander-in-chief, and all you can hear him say is basically what the little brother said in Christmas story. I can't put my hands down. I can't put my hands down, right? But this posture of Moses, although awkward, it represented something. It represented the people's dependence on the Lord. 
His hands up represented the fact that they absolutely needed God to show up. His hands up communicated their desperation for God. God, unless you are here, we are powerless. You are the only one who can bring about victory in this battle. See, I'm not even doing anything with my hands except for offering them to you because you are the only one through the power of your great hands to bring victory in this battle. So raising his hands to heaven, it was the most important thing that Moses could do. And the same is true for us. That's why some people raise their hands in worship. It's a cry of desperation. It's a cry for help. It's a cry saying, Lord, I'm powerless down here. I need you. So my hands are up. I raise them up to you. And so that time you spend in prayer about the thing that you're going through, that that time that you spend reading the word about that battle that you're facing, the time that you spend in worship trying to just clear your mind of all the stuff that you're having to walk through, that's probably the most important thing you can do when it comes to the battle that you're facing. You with me? We tend to think it's like, oh, I'll take a little break from the battle right now and and I'll, I'll say a prayer about it. I'll take a little break and I'll worship. I'll take a little break and I'll read some scripture. That may be the most important part of this battle. Hands up. That's how you fight your battles. You put your hands up. That might be the only way you'll ever experience victory. Now, it might take a while, right? For Daniel, it took 21 days. For some of us, it might take years, but don't Put your hands down. Keep your hands up. In every moment, in every situation, in every battle you face, keep your hands up. Because there is a spiritual element to the battle that you're facing. And you need the Lord to show up. Right? Some people, they throw their hands up when they've had enough, don't they? That's how the saying goes. Throw your hands up when you've had enough. Christians throw their hands up because they know they're not strong enough. That's very different. We don't throw our hands up because we've had enough. We throw our hands up because we know we're not strong enough. But he will come through on that spiritual unseen realm. Hands up, okay, you with me? Keep your hands up in these battles. That's one way that you fight and gain victory. In addition to that, there's also a very practical element to this as well. All right, so in this battle scene, Moses is kind of doing his thing up on the hillside. His hands are up. But someone needed to be down in the valley actually killing the Amalekites. So Moses' hands are up, but Joshua's hands are on the sword. So Moses has his hands up, but Joshua has his hands in somebody's face. And we need to do the same. Okay, wait, that that sounded wrong. Pastor told me to punch you. Okay, no, sorry. This just speaks, though, I think, to the practical side of the battles that we face. Okay, God is in control. Yes, our hands up represent that. God is the most important player in this game. He's the most important part of this battle. Yes, our hands are up, but God also asks you to play a part. He also asks you to play a role. Yes, you pray fervently about the battle that you're facing, but you also take some action and start swinging your sword. Yes, you need to look to God and ask him to do what only he can do, but then you look around and you see what you can do. You with me? So this battle, it's hands up and it's swords out. That's how you fight the battles in this life. Hands up, swords out. See, passivity is not an option. Laziness is not an option. Idleness is not an option. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 18. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Throw it away. Better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. 
Now, I don't believe Jesus was talking literally here. He's not literally asking you to cut your hand off or gouge your eye out. If, if that were true, there'd be a lot of one-armed blind people in this church right now and standing on this stage. And guess what? Oh, I can still sin even though my eyes are out and my hands are off because sin is in here. Sin is in here. So Jesus isn't talking about literally cutting those things out or gouging them out. What he's talking about is doing whatever it takes to stand your ground against sin. He's saying you go to any extreme you have to to fight against evil. As a college pastor, man, probably majority of my conversations were about sexual sins, right, and struggles that students had with addictions and pornography and premarital sex and all these different things. They were just so wrapped up in it. The culture was just pushing that down their throat so hard. So every time somebody came to me, guy or girl, we would pray hard about that stuff. Hands up, hands up to heaven when it comes to this battle, but swords out. We would also make a battle plan. We'd also get super practical. Okay, we're gonna put some blocking software on your computer. We're gonna develop an accountability network of friends. We're not gonna let you be alone past a certain hour. We're not gonna let you study in private any longer, only in public places. Instead of thinking about a woman's naked body, I want you to think about Jesus' crucified body. You're gonna do everything, anything you can to fight against this temptation. We gotta get serious. Take your sword out and do what you can. You with me? Hands up, but swords out. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Guys, this ain't just gonna go away. Guys, this ain't just gonna work itself out. Take your sword out. Do whatever it takes to win this battle. Now, when it comes to the battles that we face, and I guess the question that exists is, what practical step? Because I'm sure there is one or two or 10,000 practical steps that you need to take right now in this battle. So what's the next practical step for you to take? Have you asked for help? Have you sought out counsel? Have you put up boundaries? Have you removed certain things from your computer? Have you apologized? Have you thrown away all the junk? Have you changed your route home? Have you told your coworker you can't flirt anymore? Have you stopped doing certain things you know you shouldn't do? Have you started doing things, things you know you should do? Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you offered forgiveness? What have you done practically to win this war? You with me? Take your sword out. Take your sword out. There is something that you need to do. In fact, there's probably a lot of somethings. And God wants you to do them. Hands up, swords out. The last element to the battles that we face is the communal element. As we've seen already, it takes two to tango. It takes two to win this great war. Moses on the hillside, hands up. Joshua in the valley, swords out. Uh, There's actually two other guys that we read about in this story. Did you pick up on them? Moses had to keep his hands up during the entire battle. Let's do a little exercise here. Put your hands up for me. Keep them up until I tell you to put them down. This is the best seat in the house right now. This is awesome. Can you imagine? Over the course of time, this battle started early in the morning, and we read it didn't stop till sunset. Maybe 14 hours in this position. Can you imagine? I mean, your hands are probably going to grow a little tired over the course of time, you think? You're probably going to lose blood flow to your fingertips. That's exactly what happened to Moses. He couldn't muster up the strength anymore to keep his hands up. 
It was too long. It was too hard. It was too difficult for him to do. So what happened? God sent two people, Aaron and Hur. One was his brother. One was his best friend. And he sent those two men. And as soon as Moses' hands started to drop, those two men lifted his hands back up to the air. When he could no longer do it on his own, two faithful men came to his side to do it for him. They came to his rescue. They came to his defense. They came to his aid. They came to his help. And I think God included this little detail in the story because it's an important detail in all of our stories. Now, chances are you aren't listening to me anymore because you're only thinking about your hands being up in the air. All right, so put your hands down. Hands up, swords out, and look around. Look around. Although it feels like you are alone in this battle, although it looks like nobody could possibly relate to you in this battle, that is not true. God will always provide for you certain individuals who can assist you and help bring about victory in the battle that you are facing. But you have to let those needs be known. You have to let the battles that you are facing, you have to let me know about them. Because here's the thing. I ask you how you're doing, I'm going to take you at your word. And you can lie straight-faced, even to your pastor. I'm doing great. Okay, awesome. See ya. Unless you tell me or tell somebody else about the battles that you're facing, we'll never know. I mean, imagine if it were as simple as, as the situation that Moses found himself in. When, when did Aaron and Hur know they needed to step in with Moses? When his hands started falling, right? His hands start falling down. So do the Israelites on the battlefield. It's like, oh, man, we got to help this guy out. What if we walked around, and when we're good, we walk around like this? And when we're not so good, walk around like this. Would it make it a little bit easier to help people out? Yeah, you, you go home at night, right, after a long day at work, and you see your wife, she's kind of like this. Like, okay, here we go, right? You see your kids come home from a day at school, and they're kind of like this. It'd be so much easier if it were that obvious to us when people were failing when they were struggling, but it's not that obvious to us. Like a neon sign, help me, help me, help me, help me, like click, 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 right? We don't have those signs. We don't have the hands up or the hands down, so you've gotta tell us. Tell us what you're going through. So when it comes to our needs, our weaknesses, our battles, we have to look around and we have to share our struggles with others. That's why the scripture speaks so much about confession and seeking assistance and, and looking to others for help. Look at Hebrews 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. When you come together, you encourage each other. You lift each other's hands up. You cannot fight the battles in this life alone. And you will never secure victory in the battles in this life alone. God has given you an Aaron and a Her or multiple people like that to help you through this battle. And I kid you not, as soon as you communicate, just put into word what battle it is you're facing, there will be people right around you. It's how God always works, who will help you with that specific thing. I could tell you story after story. Someone coming to me and be like, man, I'm struggling with this. The next person that comes to me, okay, do you know anybody who's struggling with this? Like, uh, yes, I do. Boop. Like, gosh, I need this so bad, and I don't know where to even find it. Somebody comes to me, hey, I got this. You know anybody who needs this? Like, mm-mm-mm. They, they looked around and they, and they asked for help in the battle. And God was faithful to provide it. So battles, oh, they can take place in the far corners of the globe, can't they? But they can also take place right here in the depths of my heart. Battles can 
be things that I hear about on the news, but they're also things that I have to walk through on a daily basis. I know the same is true for you. Afghanistan, yeah, sure. Aurora, yeah, Arvada, mm-hmm. Right in my own neighborhood, right in my own heart, my own home. The battles are raging. And the best way, church, the only way I know to fight these battles, the best way, the only way to secure victory in these battles is to keep your hands up. Take your sword out and look around. If you will do those three things, I think you will start to experience great victory, whatever it is that you're facing and going through. Let me pray that's true for you. We'll get you out of here. God, you are a great God. And it's hard for us, Lord. You have not made this life exempt from battles. We see that even in the garden, Lord. Early on in their time with you, they had to battle against evil. And so we, uh, we know what that's like. We all experience that ourselves on a daily basis. The temptations, the struggles, the difficulties, the people, Lord, the different battles that rage in and around our lives. We pray not that you will remove those battles from us, God, because we know that as we press through, as we press on from those battles, we will experience great things. So we just ask for victory. We ask that you will help us to be like Moses and Joshua and Aaron and her in this story. Would we keep our hands up? So many of us are not praying enough about our battles. We're not looking to you or seeking your counsel out when it comes to our battles. We're taking matters into our own hands. No, our hands need to be up. Help us to do that now. We also pray that you will help us to be courageous, God. That you will help us to be strong so we can take our swords out. Give us wisdom and insight to know what it is that we need to do. What is our part in this story? What is our role? What practical steps can we take right now to help secure victory? Some of us are just sitting there waiting for you to show up, God. You're waiting for us to stand up. So I pray that we'll do that now. And for all of us, God, we ask that you would send us errands and hers. Send us people who will help us, God, in our moments of weakness and, and trial and pain and frustration. Help, help us by sending us people who will keep our hands up, who will lift our hands up. And Lord, right now, if our hands are up and we're strong and we can do it on our own, help us to look around and lift somebody else, else's hands up. We will not fight or win these battles alone. So help us to do this in community. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the way that you will use it and use each person in here to bless the person sitting right next to them. Help us to see that's how we win this battle. We love you, Father. Help us to, again, remember the sacrifice of certain individuals on this Memorial Day weekend. Help us to always remember Jesus. We pray we'll be more like him. And in his name, amen. So glad you guys are here today. Have an amazing day tomorrow. Don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out. We bless families in need every week with that money. Hope you have an amazing holiday. Be strong and courageous. Hands up, swords out, look around.